In this episode, I chat with author, speaker, and trainer Robert Riopel. We chat about mindfulness, paying off debt, financial freedom, and he offers tips on how you can shift your thinking. Learn how he has been able to pivot during COVID and so much more. Can't wait for you to enjoy this inspiring episode. The Mental Health and Wealth Show. The Mental Health and Wealth Show. The Mental Health and Wealth Show. Thank you so much for listening to the Mental Health and Wealth Show. This is host Melanie Locker. And first of all, I want to acknowledge that you are brave and amazing for being here. Getting ready to listen to a show about mental health and money is not easy, and I know you are ready for these amazing conversations. But before you listen, I want to let you know that all of my content is based on my own personal experience with mental health and money, as well as the experiences and expertise of my guests. I'm not a mental health professional or a financial professional, so content should not be considered professional, medical, or financial advice. As a trigger warning, please note that content on the show may include sensitive topics around mental health and suicide. So if you're currently in distress, please get in touch with a professional by texting HOME to 741-741. Thank you so much and enjoy the show. This is Melanie Lockhart, host of the Mental Health and Wealth Show. Today, I'm interviewing Robert Riopel. Robert is an international best-selling author, app designer, entrepreneur, and trainer who has spent the past 18 years traveling around the world sharing his passion. He's also shared the stage with and trained many of the top trainers and thought leaders in the world today. With his high energy and heartfelt style, Robert draws on his journey from humble beginnings to financial freedom at the age of 32 to inspire individuals into tapping into their greatness. Realizing that he is not the only person that struggles, Robert's clues open individuals up to the possibilities that lie within them, and that is why he is a highly sought-after presenter. Welcome to the show, Robert. Oh, thank you, Melanie, and I feel so blessed to be here. Um, You know, we were talking before the recording that I'm out in nature enjoying life, and that's one of the greatest ways that I love to help with the mental side of things, especially the emotional as well. And, and so being able to be here at the same time because of technology, I am just feeling so blessed right now to be with you. Yes, technology is amazing. I think that is so wonderful and beautiful that you made time for the show while you're camping. How fun. Nature is such a great way to get back to your senses, to your life. It's such a great cure for mental health, especially when sometimes we are just over inundated with information and and notifications and constantly being on our phones and our computers. And so just getting away and detoxing is is so wonderful. I hope you're doing some of that. Oh, absolutely. And and it's the disconnect to be able to really reconnect. And so as an example, yesterday, I had nothing on the books. My wife and I spent the day out on our ATVs going through nature and just experiencing and and watching history because we came across an old uh, trestle for a train bridge our train tracks that was built in 1944 and by touring both sides of this huge gorge we were just really connected loving that and you know on our way back because we did get a little lost which is part of the fun of it (laughs) (laughs) yeah totally. it it was getting a little later in the evening or like I think we know where we're going and and we came out onto the road that would lead us back and all of a sudden out in front of us come these two gorgeous wild horses Oh, wow. And so we just stopped. Yeah. We shut off the machines and we sat back and we watched them and they grazed. They'd come closer. They'd graze. They'd come closer until they were about 20 feet from us. And we're just having a conversation with them. 
And then eventually they just lifted their heads, finished grazing, walked across the road, started going down the other ditch and we let them get past us and we turned on the machines and got going again and, and just counting our blessings of to have that interaction. How does it get any better than that? I love that. And I think that's so beautiful to really bring that mindfulness and awareness to be like, this is so beautiful and amazing. And if we just stop and realize how amazing this is and let ourselves experience it in the moment instead of let's immediately get out our phones and take a picture of it. Let's immediately like just enjoy the experience. And it's a great way to connect with what's around you and just to retrain your eye and experience beauty in a new way. I love that. I'm so glad you're having so much fun. Yeah. And, and, you know, cause had we still allowed the stress of kind of running late get by us, we would have just said, well, we'll just keep going forward and, and they'll move. But it was like, no, this is the most important thing right now is just to be here. Because what a great reminder, you know, a Zen teacher taught me years ago, I used to not believe in meditation as an example. And then I ended up, as I started to experience it and believe it, I ended up doing a four-day Zen retreat of total silence. And at night, we could ask questions. And there was one question that was bugging me that someone else asked. And they said to the Zen master, they said, Sherry, here in this space, it's easy to meditate. But when I go home, I've got a busy life. There's no way I can take 20 minutes, cross my legs, sit in a in position, go, ohm. She goes, how do I do <laughs> yeah. that? And the Zen teacher, Sherry, her, her response gave me a paradigm shift. She said, meditation is simply being present. So if you are absolutely present in something you're doing in the moment, you're meditating. And that, for me, became my new practice, Melanie. I've... I, I want to see how often I can meditate throughout the day by being present. And so with the horses, we are present. So we're meditating. Even like here being on this um, podcast interview, I'm connected with you. I'm aware of everything going on. But because I'm here and I'm present with you, my mind's not going, well, what about this? Or what about this? Or I wish this would have happened. I'm present in the moment. So I'm actually meditating right now. And that's why, you know, when you said, well, you want to reschedule, I'm like, heck no. I, I'm looking forward to meditating. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I love that. I think that is so beautiful. And, you know, I think meditation and mindfulness go hand in hand. And last summer, when COVID was still going on, I took an eight-week online uh, mindfulness course, and it was all about cultivating this awareness and this present and enjoying the present moment. And, you know, I struggle with the the seated meditation practice for long periods of time, I still do it on and off as much as I can, but bringing this kind of mindful meditation to your everyday life, no matter how much time you have or don't have, really being present can just bring so much more joy and richness to your life. And I also realize it helps me not stress as much because I'm just trying to focus on the present moment right now because I don't know what's going to happen in the future. I can do my best to plan for it. And obviously the past is gone. So bringing back that awareness to now and to now and now, and then really just allowing for things to happen because I realized for me, so much of my anxiety, I was trying to overcompensate by controlling things externally yeah. and in my schedule. And so old me, if I was in that situation, I'd probably freak out. Oh my gosh, these horses are going to make us late. What are we doing? Ah, like I would be so stressed out. And the new me is kind of like, okay, well, the horses are there and they're going to leave on their own time. Let's enjoy how beautiful they are because this is a pretty rare sight. 
And I think those are completely two different experiences that we can't have in the same lifetime because I'm literally sharing, you know, old Melanie to, to new Melanie. And I really think the meditation and mindfulness practice has caused that shift. So I'm so glad that you mentioned those as tools to manage mental health and also just experience more joy in life. Well, and that is, that's the key because especially when you're talking about mental health and wellness, and this is just my opinion, because here in Alberta, where I live, we're not quite open yet. July 1st, we finally opened back up and we're the first province in all of Canada to do that. And calling it social distancing to me was the worst thing they could have done. Mm-hmm. You know, physical distancing, sure, to stay safe, but especially now more than ever, people for their mental health and wellness need to be social. And so one of the other daily practices I love to do, and, and I teach this to all my students, is I say, look, three people a day at random. Just connect with them and ask them three words. How are you? And then be present to the way they respond and the conversation that entails. Because we don't know what's going on in someone else's life of what stress they're feeling or not feeling. And I look back at the beginning of all this, you know, my one uncle as an example. My dad is the second oldest of 10 kids. Wow. And his oldest brother, he was locked in, in literally for the first four months in his room. They weren't allowed to come out for anything. Their food was dropped off three times a day at their door. And it was like a 150 square foot room. And he, oh he did not have people connecting with him. You know, I can only imagine what would have happened to his mental health is no wonder people are getting stressed out is because we don't know who's going through those situations. And a simple reaching out and just saying, hey, how are you? And genuinely, genuinely being interested. Not just like, oh, my coach told me to do this. How are you? Really? Okay. <laughs> just going to phone it in and shit off the list. How are you? How are you? How are you? <laughs> yep. And I've done my task for the day. No, yeah. genuinely be interested in how they're doing. Yes, totally. I love that tip. And, you know, I, I recommend that. And then also just saying, like, thinking of you, how are you doing? I think that can be so powerful just for people to know that we are thinking about them and that we do care. And then, yeah, making sure you're doing it out of a place of genuine curiosity and compassion and caring and not yes. just something to add to our productivity to-do list and, you know, having that mental shift about it. Yeah. And, and that's, you know, another way I start my day because, um, and I hope this is, you know, I hope you don't mind. I'm, I'm giving you tips. Yeah, I love it. On what really has worked in my life is I start my day off. It used to be over the last couple of years, it used to be just my success journal. I'd wake up in the morning. First thing I'd do is write down at least five successes I had from the day before. Now, some people, they do it where they'll do it at night before they go to sleep. I like to think at night as the last thing of what am I, you know, what were my successes today? And then I sleep on it and that's the thoughts going through my head. And then when I wake up, I write them down. But over the last um, year and a half, it's kind of morphed where it's, it's a success and or gratitude journal. And when yeah. it's what am I grateful for? Sometimes the things I'm grateful for end up being someone. And if their name comes up, I used to just write their name in my journal. And of course, their name would come up because I'd remember a situation. But then I thought, why am I just writing this in my journal? I thought of them for a reason. And so with no attachment, and this is kind of, I think, the cool tip that's really helped me out is with no attachment, I'll get onto Messenger or I'll get onto however I've connected with them and I'll leave them a voice message. I'll just say, 
Hey, such and such, Robert here. I just wanted to let you know that today when I was doing my gratitude journal, you came to mind because of, and I remember telling the situation. So I just wanted to reach out and let you know I am grateful for you and I miss you and I hope you're doing well. And then I send it and sometimes I never hear back from them, which is perfect. Sometimes I get a message just like, thank you, which is perfect. And sometimes it's people maybe I haven't talked to in a couple of years and we reconnect. But what's cool is a lot of the times I get the, Robert, how did you know I needed that today? And I didn't. That's the beautiful part, right? And so I've just found that these little practices have allowed me to just, you know, be even more in tune and grateful for where I'm at, what I'm doing, and and this beautiful time. Ah, I love that. I think that's so beautiful. And yeah, really just having no attachment to the outcome and just doing it and then seeing what happens. And then like, yeah, sometimes people really need to hear that. And they're like, oh, this is the perfect message at the right time. And it's such a win-win. And so thank you so much for sharing that. And so I'm so curious to hear more about your personal story. So this is the Mental Health and Wealth Show. So we talk a lot about both money and mental health, two taboo topics that we are willing to break down the taboo of every single week. And so you went from 150,000 in debt to financially free by 32. Can you tell me about your story? Yeah, you know, and it's interesting is because you talk about the mental health and wellness, and that was a big part of my journey because my wife and I, very blessed, we actually met when we were 13, started dating when we were 16, and got married when we were 19. And we actually just celebrated our 32nd wedding anniversary. And um, oh my gosh, congratulations. <laughs> uh, thank you. Thank you. Growing up as a child, uh, my parents, they were very financially struggling, always have been. And they told me, Robert, you can do whatever you put your mind to. But then what I'd see them doing is I'd see them struggling and moving us from town to town to town because they're trying to keep earning a living because our, you know, there wasn't a lot of work. And so on one aspect I was hearing, I could do anything I put my mind to, but on what I was witnessing them modeling was you do what you need to do. And that programming hit really deep into my life that you have to do whatever's necessary to take care of your family. So I'm fairly newly married, I'm a newlywed, and I'm working hard and staying loyal, but here I am, I'm now 21, and I'm laid off from my third company I've been working for, Melanie. And I'm like, mm-hmm. what's wrong? I'm, I'm working hard. I'm staying loyal. And where I live in Alberta, we have oil. And if oil prices are doing well, our economy does well. But if oil prices are down, our economy doesn't do well at all. And in 1989, our oil prices were down and I couldn't find a real job. And so I started to d- deliver pizzas as a way of supporting my family. And pretty quick, though, I started making more money delivering pizzas and having fun than I did in my real job. And from Mm -hmm. necessity, I ended up becoming a manager. And the reason I say that is because I was in the fear that I was about to be laid off again because my franchisee announced he had sold the store and bought two more stores in another city an hour and a half away. And so I'm going, my mind automatically goes back to, oh my goodness, I'm about to be laid off again. What am I going to do? And so on a necessity and fear, I went to him and said, look, you have two stores now. You need a manager, right? And let's, let's do that. And we talked for a couple hours, and because of my hard work ethic, two weeks later, I moved and became a manager for him. And then my wife became my assistant manager, and we're going along, and it's a year and a half later where I'm now qualified. I don't know if, how much you know about Domino's Pizza, 
but you can't just buy a franchise. You actually have to qualify by successfully managing a store. And then they waive the upfront franchise fee. So I'm now qualified to be a franchisee, but we have no money. We barely make anything being managers. And also my franchisee says, oh, by the way, I'm done with Domino's. I'm selling my two stores. Wow. Now, we had been in the system long enough to know that the first people replaced are the managers because the new owners come in and want to do it their way. And so my mindset went to, well, then I better, we better start talking to other franchisees and see who we can get a job with. And my wife's like, why would we do that? And I'm like, uh, honey, because we're about to get laid off. And she said, well, why don't we buy the store? I looked at her and I go, because we have no money. <laughs> That's <laughs> yeah. why we're not buying the store. And, and my wife, I'll tell you, one of the biggest blessings I have in my life is my wife. If it was left to me, I would give up on things too easily because I was taught to stay in the box. Don't question. If it's not the way it's, it's, you're told it's done, then you don't do it. But my wife's an out-of-the-box thinker, and we have passion. And so we started on the journey of learning. Can you buy a business with no money? And if so, how do you do it? And it took us making a lot of mistakes. And again, I want to be clear, Melanie, I wanted to give up many times because every mm -hmm. time it cost us money and it didn't work or we hit a roadblock and it didn't work, I wanted to give up. But my wife was too tenacious to let us. And about four months in, we actually ended up not buying the store that we were working in. We actually bought both of the stores my franchisee had for sale and we did it with 100% financing, no money of our own. Oh, nice. Was that where the 150000 came from? Nope. Nope. That <laughs> I just I just seen if I get a reaction from you. No, we became <laughs> franchisees and we started. We knew how to run a store, but we didn't know how to run a business. And we were franchisees for nine years, but because our spending habits were not in check, by the time we were eight years as franchisees, we started making pretty good money, but we started spending more money than we were earning. At the eight-year mark, we're now a hundred and fifty thousand dollars in debt and going down very quickly. And that's actually when we were introduced to personal development. And we ended up going to a three-day weekend that not only taught us, A, why we were handling money the way we did and why we are in debt, but B, how to take responsibility. We're the ones that created the debt. We were pl blaming other things, but we took responsibility. And then C, it gave us very practical tips on how to change that, how to actually get out of debt and create financial freedom. And so what we did that made the big difference for us, Melanie, is we didn't just leave the weekend and go, oh, that was a nice weekend, and do nothing with it. We actually took action. We had made some action steps, we had made some commitments, and we took them. And because of that, we were actually able to go from being over $150,000 in debt to actually retiring completely financially free nine months later at the age of 32. Wow, that is incredible. And I love your story of kind of figuring out this massive financing and, and the whole business. And that must have been such a huge learning curve. And then, you know, you finally feel some kind of stability with that, but then you find yourself in all of this debt many years later. And then, you know, what was the biggest mental shift from getting out of debt and becoming financially free? It was being willing to let go of the instant gratification mindset. Because and this is what I've found from teaching this all over the world now, is what do most people want? They want it now. If I want something, I want it now. I don't want to wait. And that's the instant gratification mindset. And one of the things we learned was 
that you know poor people they think the short term the instant gratification whereas rich people they think long term what don't i need right now that if i was to get rid of it and reduce my expenses it would allow me to get financial free quicker and so my wife and i sat down and we said if we're going to do this are we willing to make some tough decisions and we had some long conversations and we agreed that this is what we wanted so we started getting rid of things that we are paying for that we didn't really need. As an example, one of our stores was in a lake community, so we had a boat with all the expenses of owning your own boat. And the funny part was, we never got to use the boat because the boating season was the exact same time as our busy season, so we were always in the store. So the boat sat <laughs> yeah. in our driveway looking nice, and it looked nice and had all these expenses, so we sold the boat. We had two cars because successful people own two vehicles. We were always together working, so we only needed one vehicle. So we got rid of the, one of the vehicles and reduced our expenses. And then we started learning about passive income because I want your listeners to understand that financially free and financial freedom doesn't mean you're wealthy. What it means is that you have more passive income. In other words, more income coming in, money working instead of you having to work. You have more money coming in in a monthly basis than your expenses going out meaning you could quit work if you wanted because you still have enough money to pay your expenses month to month. And so when we did that and we dramatically reduced our month to month expenses, and then at the same time, we started learning about passive income and got our money working for us. Within nine months, we became financially free. And with that, it gave us time freedom we'd never experienced. And I'll put it like this. Uh, Melanie, would you love to have an extra 40, 50, 60 or more hours a week to do whatever you want to do? Absolutely. <laughs> well, see, because we didn't have to work anymore, we didn't have these full-time jobs now to earn a living. And we had all this extra time freedom every week. And there's a saying that it's a universal principle that says what you focus on expands. So we committed to focusing 10 hours a week. So we just gained 40 plus hours a week extra time. So we took 10 hours of that each week and we committed to focusing on creating wealth and all of a sudden creating our wealth became so much easier. Mm -hmm. So my message to your listeners is don't try and get rich first, create financial freedom, financial stability first, and then go for the wealth. And you'll see that it's a lot less stressful, a lot easier, and you'll have a lot more fun. Love it. Yeah. What are your top tips for, you know, getting the foundations of finance started and then ultimately building passive income? Well, number one, take ownership, take ownership of your success. Even if you have someone else doing your investing for you, a big one for me was we would just, someone say, Oh, this investment's amazing. You should get into it. And it'd be like, Oh, okay. I trust this person. Sounds good. I'd throw money at it without even thinking about doing my own due diligence. Mm -hmm. So today my wife and I have educated ourselves enough that even though we have other people doing some of our investments, we know enough, A, that if they're doing a good job or not, and B, to take responsibility that if they lose money, we don't blame them. We're the ones that gave them the money and said invest it. So it's taking that ownership of your own financial success and not playing the victim. So that's a big one. And two, I encourage people to actually start a part-time job, which means and it's not what you're thinking. It's actually a part-time business. And five days a week, take 30 minutes a day, five days a week to learn about financial success, to manage your money, 
to learn about a different investment, to actually use that time to invest in things and start educating yourself because education, um, I love the saying that says knowledge is power and power not is in the power over someone, but power is simply the ability to do or act. So when you educate yourself, you have better ability to act on things that will change your life, if that makes sense. Yeah, totally. I love that. That is so amazing. And, and, and just, you know, surround yourself with amazing people. Don't just, how do I put it? Left to me, like I said, I'd be comfortably miserable in a job. <laughs> and one of the greatest gifts my wife gives me is she's not willing to let me play smaller than I am. Mm-hmm. Even when she has to kick me in the ass. Because I can be stubborn. I can sit there and go, there's no way we can do it. But my wife's not willing to let me play that small game. And it's now a gift I also give back to her. And so I encourage people, don't just, well, I'm going to have to feel like this, Melanie. Let's have a little fun. Mm-hmm. Have you ever heard the saying, um, surround yourself with like-minded people? Yes. And would you agree that's very powerful? I think that is powerful to help you get to where you want to go and to also just be around people that, you know, kind of understand you. Yes. Yeah. And I used to believe that and say it from the stage all over the world. But then a mentor of mine last year gave me another paradigm shift. He said, think of it like this. And and I'm going to tell the story like this, Melanie. Imagine you and I, we decide we're going to go to the mall. Mm -hmm. So we walk down to the bus stop and at the bus stop, there's three other people. And so the five of us are standing there and we were waiting for the bus to go to the mall. So we're actually all like-minded in that moment. We're waiting for the bus and all that bus is going to do is take us to the mall. But Hey, we're all like-minded. What he said is actually choose to surround yourself with growth minded people. Mm. And the difference between a growth minded person in, and a like-minded is a growth minded person is the person who's willing to have those tough conversations with you when they're needed. They're going to be your greatest advocate to say, you know, to pick you up when you fall down and, and be there to support you and be your greatest cheering squad. But they're also the person that's going to sit there and go, would you get your head out of your and step up? Or why, are you, <laughs> yeah. why did you do that? Why did you do that? Why did you make that decision? Why are you not taking action? They're the ones that out of love will hold you to that higher standard. So today, I surround myself with as many growth-minded people as I can because that, and then they hold me accountable. I hold them accountable and it becomes a great win-win situation. That is so important. And yeah, I think it is important to surround yourself with growth-minded people and people that can help elevate you and create a positive feedback loop where you are growing and learning and feeling those positive effects that you continue to want to do more of that again and again and again. And you're hopefully creating a symbiotic relationship with these people and you're growing at the same time and helping each other. And that's exactly it. And so when my wife and I, when at age 32, we're now retired, we go, wow, that worked. If that information allowed us to have these results, what would more information do? And we dove into um, learning from as many masters. The next two and a half years, we dove into learning as many people as we could. And I started to realize, because I'm a big believer, don't just learn one way. Don't just learn from one person. Learn mm-hmm. from as many people, because even if you don't, I, I say, look for one golden nugget that you can take out of every situation. You don't have to remember it all. You don't have to use it all. That leads to overwhelm. Just take one thing that if I was to implement this, it would change my life. 
And so while we were doing that, I came to realize that my passion was to teach people because I felt if I could even help one person do what my wife and I were able to do, go from deep in debt to financially free, it'd make it all worthwhile. And so finishing off kind of who I am and where I'm at today, for the last 18 plus years, I've been blessed to travel around the world, personally teach over half a million people in live trainings on how to create the life of their dreams, create financial freedom. Um, I've also designed an app. I've got an international best-selling book, and I'm a serial entrepreneur, but my passion is teaching, and that's who I am today. Amazing. You are such an inspiration, and you're also an author, which you mentioned, which your book is called Success Left a Clue. I'm so curious, like, what is the book about? What inspired you to write this book? And why do people need to read it today? <laughs> well, because it's what I needed and still need in my life. Mm-hmm. Let me be clear. I originally wrote the book for me because I don't want anybody to ever believe that since I'm the one on stage or I'm an author, I'm any better than anybody else. I'm not. I, I make dumbass moves. I make mistakes. I crash. Yeah. I burn. I come back just like everybody else. And so, what inspired me to write the book is what I wanted and needed in my life. And I'm a big believer that, you know, when you choose that there's something you want to go for, you can. And I'm a, I'm a big dreamer, but I realized dreaming without taking action just means it's a dream. And so in the book, it's six steps, not only how to create the life of your dreams, but the actual step-by-step practical skills of doing it. And step number three as an example is take action. Because I've identified that probably the biggest difference between successful people and non-successful people is successful people actually take action. And I love the quote that says this. It says, one step in the right direction is worth a thousand years of thinking about it. Ooh, I love that. Right? Because that's what holds so many people back. And so in the six steps, step number one is simply... And why people need to read is because, look, if it worked for me, it will work for you. Because if you do it, and and I'm going to give that preface, um, Mm -hmm. because Melanie, have you heard the saying, if you can do it, I can do it? Mm -hmm. And I hear that thing, and I used to believe it, but there's a critical missing element to it. Because it's very easy to say, hey, if you can do it, I can do it. But talk is cheap. So the missing part to me is, will you? Will you do what it takes. And and I'm very blunt with people. You know, my initials are RRR, mm-hmm. Robert Raymond Riopel. And I also have it mean the first R also stands for keeping it real. Yeah. I don't want to just give you fluff. I'm going to tell you the good, the bad, the ugly. The second R stands for relevant. The information I teach, I'm only going to teach you what works today in the real world. I don't want to give you what might have worked 20 years ago, but it's not working anymore. So I keep it relevant. And then the third art is repeatable. And so I want to make sure people learn systems. I'm all about systems. They make things so much easier. And so when I'm talking to people and they go, oh my goodness, Robert, I would love to have your life. You travel the world, you get to meet people, you're inspiring hundreds of thousands of people. And I'll look at them, I'll say, then are you willing to do what I did? And they kind of look at me and they're like, what do you mean? And I'll say, Don't just look at the good. I want you to look at all the behind the scenes prep, all the behind the scenes learning, what I've been willing to do to master this skill, and 
don't just think that because I travel around the world, it's all, you know, cupcakes and, and, and soda. <laughs> yeah. Uh, take a look at, and I'll use this example, Melanie, is in 2019, my first trainings of the year, I flew to Germany to do a three-day training. And when I do a training, I'm on stage for up to 12 hours a day for the three days. Wow. Up to five days. And so I did the training and then I flew to Sweden to do the next training starting the following Friday. So I had to cut three days off in between because Monday is my wind down day. Tuesday, I'll usually travel and then I'll have Wednesday, Thursday, get ready. And then I step on stage again. Well, because I didn't always know how to take care of myself, I went through two back surgeries 11 years ago because I was oh, not, wow. I was giving, giving, giving. I forgot to take care of me. Mm-hmm. And so every once in a while, my back acts up. And for some reason, flying from Germany to Sweden, when I landed, and it's January, so it's winter, it's icy, I threw my back out again. And normally, the way to loosen it up is I walk. But because of the ice and the snow and uneven, I had nowhere to walk. So I actually had to give myself, and this may sound odd, but you talk about mental health and wellness, because I'm really good at beating myself up. And I don't know if you know anybody good at beating themselves up, Melanie. Uh, No one else in the world (laughs) does that, right? (laughs) Absolutely no one. (laughs) No one, no one. So I actually had to give myself permission that it was okay to lay flat out in my bed in the hotel room for two and a half days and do nothing to give my back the chance to heal. And every time I was doing that, like I'm laying there and I was like, no, my mind would start coming in. You should be doing this or you should be doing that. And it'd be like, no, thank you. Uh, I'm, I'm laying here. Because if I don't, I will not be able to stand back on stage on Friday. And what a mental battle. Mm-hmm. And it took times getting on the phone with my wife, doing FaceTime, because she'd want to make sure I'm still laying down, because she knows how yeah. stubborn I am. <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah. And sometimes out of the blue, I just phone her up. No, it didn't matter what hour it was, because you know, she's eight hours behind me. And I just say, I need to talk right now because I'm struggling. And so we'd get on the phone and we'd just talk because my mind, when left to itself, like everybody's, it will, it's that tributary effect. You can be having an amazing day and like, oh my goodness, I'm out in nature right now. Look how awesome it is. And then I, oh, but here comes a storm cloud. Yeah, I knew it. It was going to be that. I told you it was going to rain. We're out here. It's going to rain. Now it's going to rain. We're not going to be able to go quiet. 30 seconds ago, I was in a good mood. (laughs) But my mind latched onto that little thing to take me on that negative journey. Mm-hmm. And that's the, you know, this is another reason to surround yourself with growth-minded people. Here's another tip for you, or a trick, or a tactic that people can use. I actually have a friend in my life. Believe it or not, I actually have a friend. Woo-hoo! <laughs> <laughs> I have a, okay, that was my warped sense of humor. You can laugh there, <laughs> Melanie. You're allowed to. Yay, friends! <laughs> Yay, friends! Yeah. Uh, and my friend and I, we have an agreement. That if we're something really takes us out and pisses us off, we can phone the other person. And the sole purpose of the phone call is for them to let the other person unload. That's fantastic. And just get the energy out. Yeah. Because, yeah, right? Emotion is just energy in motion. If you, if you suppress it, it causes that dis-ease inside of you. Especially depression, mental health, and wellness. And so... I could call him up and he'll answer the phone and he'll say, hey, bro, what's up? Say, Aaron, get ready. And he's like, okay, I'm ready. And he doesn't take it personally. <laughs> I can mm-hmm. just go off the charts. And when I'm done and he'll go, are you done? 
if I'm not, I'll be like, ah, and he'll go, he'll listen. Then he'll, are you done? <laughs> I'm done. And I'll say, love you, brother. We'll talk soon. And that's it. He's not trying to yeah. fix it. He's not trying to make it better. And so that's a gift we give each other. So I encourage your listeners to have connections like that in their life as well. Yeah, that is so important. I think it's great for people to have someone else that they can unload on and just vent and get that out as a way to release that energy in their bodies. And I'm so glad you shared that story of your back going out and literally your body begging you to give itself rest and listening because sometimes there's this disconnect between our minds and our body. Our, our mind is saying, but we have to work. We have to do things. We have to be productive. If, I, if I'm not, then I'm lazy. But our body is literally telling us in so many different ways, hey, I think you need to slow down. I think you need to rest. And we have to listen to that and honor that. And, you know, I am a business owner and have been in business for the past seven years. And I'm very big into productivity and, and being active and busy. And I'm sure a lot of people have perceived me as that as well. But something that I've realized in the past couple of years is that really every single day we are at the mercy of our energy and our mental health. And yeah. those two things that we really have to do our very best to cultivate every day, because how much we get done or can't get done is based on our energy and our mental health. And sometimes even if you do all the quote, right things, you know, affirmations, meditations, you don't drink, you eat healthy, all that good stuff. Sometimes your body's still telling you, you need to rest, or maybe I need to work less. And I think it's okay that we let ourselves do that because it's a message from our body about something that we need. And so for me on this journey, it's really just about how can I try to keep my energy and mental health in the best place possible? And even if my energy and mental health are off, even if I'm doing quote, everything right, what do I need to do to just heal and rest and feel a little bit better? Absolutely. And one of those things is learning to be more gentle with yourself, being willing to give yourself that permission. You know, the saying, if I had a friend that treated me the way I treat myself, they wouldn't be my friend for very long. Yet we take it <laughs> yeah. from ourselves. And, you know, that day I was in, in, you know, that time I was laying in that bed, one of the things my wife actually had to say to me to get me to keep laying there, she said, so go ahead and get up. But do you remember the seven weeks you were in bed at home where you could not get out or do anything? Mm -hmm. Do you want to be in that position again? I'm like, uh, no, okay, I'll lay here. <laughs> and, yeah. No, I'll tell you, and, and it gets very humbling when someone actually has to wipe your backside. Yeah. Because you can't even reach over and do that. Yeah. No. It, totally. It's a humbling, humbling. So, so when my wife reminds me of stuff like that, it's like, okay, I'm gonna take a deep breath. I'm gonna relax. I'm gonna be present. I'm gonna turn on another movie and give myself permission that it's okay to watch a movie. <laughs> yes. Know? And, yes. And and it is. It's always a journey. And and here's another tactic or tip. Something that my wife and I do, because the biggest reason I've found, first of all, if you've noticed, people have busy lives. And they're, they're, their biggest thing is, I'm so busy already, I can't take on anything else. Well, I've noticed in my journeys that people are really good at being busy, but it doesn't necessarily mean they're being productive. Totally. And they get caught in that vicious cycle of being busy, but it's busy with distractions. You know, like, okay, I'm going to go write my book. But eight hours later, I've check my email 15 times. I've been on social media 25 times. I've answered a couple calls, remember to text someone. And I've spent about 30 minutes actually writing the book. And I look back and go, oh my God, am I tired? 
that was daunting. And so what my wife and I do to combat is it goes back to, again, you cannot give what you don't have. So on our schedule, the first thing we schedule when we're doing, because we now live by our calendar and not in a bad way, but we schedule in the first thing we do is what we call our rejuvenation um, pieces or our balance pieces. So Mm -hmm. it's our time together goes on the calendar first. Time for ourselves goes on the calendar first. Time with family, exercise. We put those on the calendar before we put anything else on the calendar because we, again, we know and we've learned if we don't take care of us, we can't take care of other people properly. And then I will put in what I call focus time. And this is the productive time. So going back to, say, writing my new book that I'm writing right now, I'll sit there and go, okay, 10 a.m. to 11 a.m., I'm writing the book. During that time, everything else is shut off. I'm in my office. My wife knows that I'm not going to answer if she knocks at the door, whatever it is, because in that hour, I'm writing and focused on nothing but the book. And I can be more productive in that hour than eight hours of just working on it. And all of a sudden, that frees up more time again. And all of a sudden, it's like, huh, I actually have more time (laughs) to sit back and relax or to meditate. Yeah. It's so important to have that focused work. And I love that you mentioned putting on your calendar, the rejuvenation piece, the balance piece, the self-care piece, because that is literally in a way paying yourself first, literally in the mental health realm and the energy realm. So it's like in finance, we talk a lot about paying yourself first before you pay your bills and savings. Really, it's all about paying yourself first on your calendar too. So what's going to pay dividends and actually give you the ability to actually do the other work? It's, you know, managing your mental health and your energy. And that means putting exercise on the calendar, putting, you know, relationship time on the calendar, putting friend and family time on the calendar, because those are the things that give us the most energy and balance and happiness. And then with that abundance of energy, then we can serve everyone else and do our other big life goals. And then you're always amazed at how is it I have people go, how do you get so much done? How do you have so much energy? And it's like, because I do take care of myself. And people ask me a lot of times, they go, Robert, you know, you travel around the world. Don't you hate getting on those 12 hour, 14 hour, 16 hour flights? And I'm like, no. And they go, why? I said, well, one of the secrets is very selfish. And they're like, they look at me strange. They go, clarify. Well, the moment I sit in my seat on that plane, that's Robert's time. That's my time. Even if there's Wi-Fi, I don't connect to it. When I'm on a plane, I don't do work. I watch movies because I love movies. I read books because I love reading books. I eat some good food and I drink some good wine. That's my time. Because I know that when I land, the next three to five days, I'm on stage for up to 12 hours a day giving. So this is my receiving time for me to pamper and take care of me. And so that's you know one of the ways I've learned to do it. So to fly on a, uh, like one of my last flights, actually before COVID, it was, I hopped on a plane in Mumbai, India, and it was 16 hour flight back to Canada, a 16 hour straight flight. And when I I was on that flight, I ate, I slept, I read, I watched movies, I had a blast and I rejuvenated and only to land to find out the world had changed while I was in the air because all (laughs) of a sudden we land and customs is meeting us at the gangway checking passports as we're coming off the plane because that was March 10th of 2020. And also March 11th, I went into lockdown because I'd just come from another country and the world changed for me. And I had a choice. I could have sat there and and played victim and like, why me? What the hell is going on? What is all? 
because all of a sudden all my live events around the world are canceled or two very powerful um, words I use in my life all the time, Melanie, that I want your listeners to put in their vocabulary. And those words are what's next. Ooh, yeah. What's next? Because if you ask what's next, it takes you from victim to curiosity. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden now, and I've had to do a total reinvent over the last year and a half to go fully digital, fully doing trainings online. I've gone from 200,000 miles a year flying around the world doing live events to zero miles in the last year and a half around the world. Well, I did one trip in March actually to Dubai. And so other than that, and, and compared to all the flying I was doing, that was nothing. That was nothing, right? Yeah, that's a huge shift. It, it is. And I could have easily gone into victim and went, wow, hundreds of thousands of dollars in revenue gone. I mean, you know, what am I going to do and play the victim? But I went, okay, what am I going to do? What's next? And my wife and I started making the shift. And when we go home, like we're about to go home after this interview tonight, because we've been camping for a while, I'm a week away from having my own training center, which we've had built onto the back of our home. And in a week, I get to move into my new office, 1,500 square foot training center, where I can do virtual training, different sets, bring students for mastermind, bring, because I love training trainers, I can bring trainers there to work them over and get them more authentic and present on the stage. And so I've gone from what was going to be a dream for three to five years from now, we've implemented and we're about to realize it ahead of schedule. And it's like, this is awesome because now I'm going to be traveling a lot less and still being able to do what I love. That is so exciting. I think that's such a great comeback story. And I love the real life example of a pivot during COVID because I know this has been such a difficult time for so many people and literally so many people's careers, jobs, incomes have been upended literally overnight. And we've all had to figure it out in a different way. And it sounds like you are pursuing it, you know, a a different dream in a different way. And it might not have been on your timeline originally, but now it's happening. And it sounds like you are really making the best of all of this and making it all happen. And to me, there is no other choice because I know the other choice. I've gone down that road where I get in that pity party and my old negative habits come back in and life sucks. And I choose not to have that happen. And this is to kind of answer one of your questions from before. Why would I love, I'm not going to say need or should because words have power, Mm -hmm. but why do I feel it would be beneficial for people to read my book, Success Left a Clue? Is because especially now those six steps, which are dream big, find a mentor, someone to model from, take action, celebrate your successes, create more belief in yourself. And then step number six, repeat the first five steps. It sounds simple and it is, but don't let the simplicity fool you. If people read the book and they do the action steps, because it's not really a book you read. It's actually um, got action steps all the way through where I'll say, before you read any further, do this action. And then the beginning of the next chapter says, did you do the last action? If not, stop reading now, go back and (laughs) do that action. Because we are creatures of habit and and it's easy to just want to breeze through and read it. And what I did and what I would love to do, because I'm writing my next book right now, which talks about four currencies. It talks about four phases of life that people go through. But what I'd love to do is because I'm writing that next book, I want as many people as possible to really utilize my first book. So as a gift for being on your podcast, Melanie, I'd love for all your listeners to be able to get the ebook, download PDF version of my book, Success Left a Clue as a gift for you having me on your, on your uh, interview. Oh, I love that. Where can I get that from? 
simply just robertrealpel.com and then you'll Love be able that. to download the book. Yeah. Everyone definitely check that out. <laughs> yeah. And it comes with that. What I told you though, it's not a, it's a workbook. Don't just take it, read it, say that was nice, put it on the shelf and make it shelf help. I want you to actually do the action steps and actually <laughs> watch what it can do for your life. Yes, I love that. I'm all about actionable steps. I've talked a lot about inspiration porn and how I detest it. And, you know, so many kind of books and speakers are very inspirational, which is, is lovely and amazing, but we really need those actionable steps to get people forward. And we need to be able to offer that to them as much as possible. But then also on the other end, the people who are on the other end of that need to take action to actually move forward as well. Yeah. And that's why I made it step number three, because you can have the greatest dreams in the world. You can even have the best mentors and models to learn from. But if you don't take action, you're not going anywhere. You're not going to accomplish anything. And so that's why step number three is critical. And then step number four, the celebrate your successes. That's why I do my success journals, because I've watched people who have great dreams, have great mentors, actually take action. They get some success, but because they don't celebrate it, they end up sabotaging. They end mm. up losing everything because the mind comes in and goes, well, if you're not going to appreciate it, then why do you need it? And it's oh, so subtle and yeah. so subconscious that, yeah, right. And, and that's the key. And, and it becomes a beautiful cycle because here's what happens. Picture this. My hand's going around in a circle. You create some big dreams. You find a great mentor to model or um, to learn from. Then you take action. You celebrate your success, which elevates your self-esteem and which allows you then have greater dreams, have greater mentors, take bigger actions, bigger celebrations, which elevates your self-awareness um, and self-esteem even more, which allows you to what? Dream bigger again. And it be comes that beautiful cycle that can allow you to live a life that most people and you know I look back and I do feel blessed because people go you have an amazing life how did you do it and it's like it's a journey but here's the roadmap of how I did it that's why I wrote that book because it was a roadmap I used in my life to get where myself and my wife are today yeah. And I love that you mentioned, you know, it really is about creating that positive feedback loop where each action is creating another positive trigger to another action and it keeps building on each other. And that's how you just keep going and going and building along this journey. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Ah, well, this was such a fantastic interview and <laughs> I'm so happy that you have been on the show. Like, do you have anything else you'd like to share and where can people find you? Well, find me on Facebook. I do have a fan page. Just put in Robert Realpel and you'll see Robert Realpel's fan page. Um, definitely follow me. Because I'm reinventing as well um, and going more digital, I now actually have my very first virtual assistant. Oh, nice. And I've resisted for years, Melanie. I've resisted. And the moment that I got one and now I see how she's making my life so much easier, I started a second one right away. Nice. <laughs> and, and my my first virtual assistant oversees the second one and the two of them, the workload they've taken off of me. And part of it is they're actually now upgrading and getting my social media in place better. Um, because for 18 plus years, I, I got to pick and choose where I wanted to be. I, I didn't ever have to worry about trying to be known because I was in high demand from, <laughs> from the companies I, I contracted to. So it's been a new adjustment for me. And so on Instagram, you'll see me more visible. You'll see me more visible on LinkedIn as well as Facebook. And so they can follow me. They can, we're going to be doing a lot of inspirational posts. 
Um, definitely get a hold of the book at robertriopel.com and watch for my new book, which is I'm going to come out in the next number of months called The Authority Key, because it's going to be one that I'm writing this one because it's part of my journey again, but it now helps people. It answers this question and I'll, I'll do it like this. Have you ever noticed, Melanie, that there's people that can have the same or less knowledge and experience than you, but yet they make more money? Have you ever uh, noticed that? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> and people go, why is that? Well, they're like, seen why? as an authority. Yeah. They're seen as an authority, whereas the other person's not. And so it's not about how much knowledge and experience you have. It's about how do people know to find you? What makes mm. you different from the other people? So the book actually not only gives the practical skills, on how to be positioned as an authority, but it also works on the internal. Who do you need to be to own with confidence, not arrogance? And that's very critical. To own it with confidence, not arrogance, that you are an authority so that when someone comes to you and goes, oh my goodness, you are amazing, you don't crumble and go, well, not really. You're like, thank <laughs> yeah. you. Yeah, like, thank and you, you so own much. it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so that's going to be my next book coming out. So um, yeah, that's how you find me and follow me. So exciting. Thank you so much for sharing all of your amazing tips and tricks and your amazing story. This has been such a wonderful interview and I super appreciate your time. Oh, my absolute pleasure. Anytime. If there's any way I can be of service to you or your audience, your listeners, do not hesitate to let me know, please. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the Mental Health and Wealth Show. Want more content and support? Sign up for the Mental Hump newsletter and get our free mental health and money inventory worksheet. You can sign up at mentalhealthandwealth.com and also check out our other blog posts and podcast episodes. Also, we host a mental health and wealth hangout every other Thursday over Zoom at 5 p.m. Pacific to chat about all things money and mental health. The best part, it is free. If you'd like to support the podcast, it would mean so much to me if you left a review and you can also support me at ko-fi.com forward slash Melanie Lockhart. And lastly, I want to remind you to do something for yourself to take care of your mental health and wealth.